0: What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you in part by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you will receive $10 off your first order. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore nation. Coming up in just a moment, we are going to be joined by attorney and sports law analyst Dan Lust. But first, a big thank you to one of our listeners. At XX is a AC Goggle XX. His, uh, his name is listed as Bill Belichick Hater slash Tom Brady Stan. He actually reached out to Dan and asked that we do something with him on the show. So a big thank you to him for the idea. And without further ado, here is Dan Lust. Joining us now is an attorney and sports law analyst. You may have heard him on stations such as ESPN, Sirius XM, CBS and fox sports you can find them on twitter at sports law lust ladies and gentlemen daniel dan lust dan how you doing
1: i'm good daniel dan either way the the lust part (laughs) is the part that people tend not to forget it's uh not the most common last name
0: yeah, uh, it's funny. I literally just asked you what you preferred, and then I, in my own head, I'm like, Daniel, it's Daniel, it's Daniel. So my apologies, Dan. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Really excited to talk about some different aspects of sports than what David and I normally talk about here on uh, on the Locked on Bucks podcast. So, again, thank you. And uh, I think we're going to go ahead and dive right in. As far as the Buccaneers are concerned anyway, kind of the most recent – legal issues or, or run-ins with the law that that team has faced, of course, was the story a little while back about Jameis Winston and the alleged incident with the Uber driver. Any intimate knowledge that you are able to share in, as far as educating our listeners on how you would advise or have advised an NFL player in that kind of position?
1: So my my background in the NFL, uh, I, I worked for the New York Giants Public Relations Department for uh, four, over four seasons. Um, so you know I think the kind of playbook when you approach any type of incident like that, and obviously the Jameis incident, it's a little, uh, we'll say it's more of a sensitive matter. Um, it, sometimes no news is good news. You don't want to be making press for the wrong reasons, and obviously allegations are just, but they are allegations. But you know you want to make sure, uh, at least in the, in a criminal context. That you're not giving the prosecution or the police more information, you're not making their job uh, any easier for them, and you obviously don't want to say anything uh, that, uh, as they say on those shows, cops like right that you know, canon will be used against you. So in a situation like James Winston, everyone's entitled to their innocence. You know, it's the prosecution's burden to prove you know guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. So in those instances, as an attorney, um, someone that's worked in PR. Uh, it, it's sometimes just better to just, you know, be an open book to tell your team what happened, uh, to tell your agent what happened, your attorney what happened. But, you know, when it comes to doing media, uh, you know, you see it nine times out of 10, just better to just lock it down. Uh, as we're on the, the locked on network, you, you lock it up, uh, and, uh, you know, you just kind of, you know, go, go off the grid for a little bit of time and, and let the legal system work its way out.
2: So I think we might already know the answer to this question, but I wanted to ask you. Uh, you know, when that whole thing was going on, obviously information was kind of held close to the vest, kind of what you've just been alluding to. But then when the suspension came down, a lot of people were expecting, you know, maybe half a season, maybe even a full season with some of the allegations he's had in his past, going back to uh, his days at Florida State. But then when the suspension came down, I remember the, the some of the buzz, some of it anyway, was almost kind of just how little was actually put out. Like the NFL announced the suspension, but they didn't really announce what they had found or, or if they had confirmed or, or denied anything. And then even Jameis Winston, his camp, uh, obviously they have a little bit more to protect, but uh, they didn't come out and say, well, this is what the league had. This is what they didn't have. And this is what led to this. Were you at all you know, surprised by that? Or just that, is that kind of normal operating procedure?
1: I mean, it, the NFL is a private entity. It's not... So there's something in the law called a FOIL request. It's a Freedom of Information Act law. You could... You know, for a police department, after a certain amount of years after an investigation's closed, you can make a public request and get that information. The NFL is obviously not subject to, you know, a uh, public information request. So, you know, I don't expect to hear anything that comes out from this. When you get some details, that's kind of more surprising. Um, but when it comes to the NFL, at least uh, under the new CBA, their standard is something called credible evidence. So... You know, you've heard it, you know, whoever watches Law and Order can, you know, prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And even when it comes to like a civil case, which, you know, uh, James Winston's it could end up being a civil case at some point or even, you know, like Antonio Brown has a civil case. He has a criminal case. O.J. had a civil case. He had a criminal case. Even a civil case, the standard there is preponderance of the evidence, which is. You know, less than beyond a reasonable doubt, but it's still more than credible evidence. Credible evidence just means that somebody has to be able to believe it. It doesn't have to be the most persuasive uh, or beyond a reasonable doubt, just credible. So uh, even if Winston gets three games, that doesn't mean that he would have been you know, convicted in a court of law. It just means that somebody in the NFL, uh, it was credible to them. They believe that there was credible evidence, you know, even just to get the charges in. So um, I, I wasn't surprised we didn't hear more than that. But at the end of the day, you know, credible evidence is such a low standard. Uh, that you know, more often than not, when the NFL launches an investigation into you, uh, there's such a low barrier to have a suspension that uh, you know you, you imagine that a suspension was coming there.
0: Back to Dan in just a minute, but first, you know, we got to talk about those delicious, delicious Built Bars. Of course, Built Bars are a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. They come in all kinds of amazing flavors the bars are covered in 100% chocolate they're soft and easy to chew and they are great for the health conscious person you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat they're low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber by now all of you know that my favorite is the peanut butter brownie that gives you 20 grams of protein 170 calories 3 grams of sugar Three grams of net carbs right now. Head to builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on, and you will get ten dollars off your first order. Not only that, but right now you head to builtbar.com. They are having a massive blowout sale on some of their limited time flavors. Uh, they're they're a little overstocked right now. You can pick up all kinds of flavors up to sixty percent off. Head over to builtbar.com. Find the perfect flavor for you, create your own box, get a sampler, whatever the case may be, but make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com.
2: Kicking off the week here at the Locked On Bucks podcast, joined by attorney and sports law analyst, Dan Lust. Uh, Dan, obviously the NFL is trying to move forward. Every major sports uh, league is trying to move forward. The the country is trying to move forward, but... Some states and even counties aren't necessarily all on the same page. I, I actually live in New York, and I can tell you that what New York State is saying and what the county I'm living in is saying really don't kind of match up. So if they can't agree within the own state just on opening restaurants and stuff like that, it uh, kind of brings into question how the NFL or how a major operation like that is going to open up. Uh, how, do, how do what the states say and what the counties say impact what the league does? Because I know that Roger Goodell has gone on record saying he doesn't want – Any one team having a competitive advantage because of statewide permissions or restrictions in another state? I know Los Angeles is kind of one that comes to mind because they've kind of gone on record saying like we're not going to open anything until everything is cured. Whereas states like Florida or I know South Carolina, those are not a team there, but are, are pretty much all the way open. So how does that influence the NFL trying to get a season kicked off on time?
1: So, Dave, we have something in common. I'm also based out of New York. So for for us, it's going to be very different than from, I imagine, most of the listeners in Tampa, Florida, where uh, it's a completely different animal. So, um, you know, for us in, in New York, Governor Cuomo has taken a more of a conservative approach. In Florida, uh, Governor DeSantis has taken, you know, uh, we'll say a different approach. He's taken the approach that uh, for them, that the economy in Florida is more important to protect, uh, you know, it's just a decision and, and you know, you can kind of debate the the decision making behind each each step of the way, but they're just, you know, it's local uh, officials, state officials that are making these decisions. So uh, originally the word in the NFL was that uh, no one team could open their facility until it was, until all 32 teams were legally able to open their facility. So um, for a team like, uh, you know, uh, the teams in Florida, be it the Bucks or, you know, the Dolphins, uh, or Jacksonville, those guys in theory could go to their facilities earlier than like the Jets or the Giants, where you know in the Northeast in particular, it's been a little bit more conservative. Um, recently, the NFL actually went back on that and they said that all teams are allowed to open their facilities, even though it might lend to lend itself to a competitive advantage, uh, they're going to allow that to happen. Uh, and you know why is that? I think you know what we're seeing now just across sport lines and something like the NBA, Uh, they're going to have a very uh, quick time to kind of restart and get their bodies into shape. So even though it's probably not ideal, right. That some teams can't, uh, can't practice the way that all, all teams can, um, you know, it's better to have 22, 24 teams in in shape. uh, And, uh, you know, imagine there could be a rush of injuries that are caused and and maybe, uh, you know, even some uh, we'll say liability issues in house, maybe some workers comp issues if guys get hurt on the job for being forced back. Uh, But That's why I I imagine the logic was let's allow teams to open up if they so choose. Uh, And if teams don't feel comfortable, players don't feel comfortable, they don't have to. Um, But that's really what you're working with. So on a, on a federal level, right, there's something in the law called federalism. States can do what they want in the absence of federal law directing them. You can look kind of around the world and see what, uh, what something like federalism will look like. You know, uh, I know I was uh, tweeted this out over the weekend, but that New Zealand had their first, uh, you know, rugby game with tons of fans in the stands, um, and you know, New Zealand as a country took an approach. Whereas here in the United States, we took a state by state approach. Um, someone, you know, you can again debate the wisdom of doing one or the other, but that's the difference. So here, um, President Trump has put the power in states to kind of dictate when uh, businesses can open up and local uh, county officials. Um, so we're kind of having a segmented approach across our country. Again, you know, you can debate the wisdom of it, but that's just how uh, we did it. In a different world, President Trump could have enacted a national legislation and, and, you know, said when all states can reopen and done it all on the same day and when they were all closing on the same day. But, um, you know, that's just not what we did here. So uh, for Florida, you know, the beaches are open. uh, And I can tell you, David, and as you can probably attest to, uh, the beaches are not open in New York. And even if they were, I don't know if we'd want to go to them.
2: (laughs) Very, very true.
0: At the end of the day, though, the NFL football, it's, it's a business, and a major, major part of that business is the fans. And allowing fans into stadiums is going to require a lot of protections you know, for both the fans and the, the NFL. What are your thoughts on how teams or stadiums might be held liable if attending fans get sick or if tracers point to games or tailgates or whatever the case may be as a source for another uptick in in COVID-19 and the other a lot of people are being so cautious to try to avoid that quote-unquote second wave
1: so it's it's a really fascinating question and I think uh that's part of the reason that sports are just very hesitant to to come back and jump right into it um so you know the news today uh is that uh I mean we're starting to see a trickle out just you know kind of getting there um in uh the major league baseball they've announced that the league would like players to sign some type of waiver to return. Um, in the college context, we're seeing reports trickle out today that a big school like Ohio State is requiring their athletes to sign a waiver in order to come back. Um, so you can just kind of read the writing on the wall, right? If players are being asked to sign a waiver in different major sports, uh, it's only logical that that would be a, re- a request made of fans. Just makes sense. Um, and though maybe some people don't always realize this, if you look at the back of your ticket, um, there are some, le- there is some legal language that you abide by just by coming into the stadium. This ticket is what we call in the law license, you know, while you're on someone's property, um, you have to abide by, you know, whatever the licensee's is, the, the rights are going to give you. But in the back of their ticket, right, you can imagine what it says, stuff like uh, a foul ball hitting you in the head or a puck or a flying bat. Um, but, you know, nobody, uh, just, I imagine there's a handful of people uh, that, you know, have never read the back of their ticket probably the same people that when they sign up for something on iTunes, they just hit, I agree. And they, and they don't really read that. Um, But in this new world of, of, you know, COVID-19, you can imagine that uh, however they, however way teams want to do this, whether they want to actually put it on the back of the ticket or actually hand you a piece of paper, you know, maybe like you would if you're going skydiving or whitewater rafting or something like that. Um, But I I think you could just read the writing on the wall. There's obviously been no confirmation on, on any major sport that fans will have to sign waivers. But uh, just using common sense, if the players are going to sign it, uh, you'd imagine that that would be next for the fans as well.
2: That's very interesting, Dan. Actually, the first time I took my wife to a hockey game, she got hit by a puck. I, uh, I, I had my eyes elsewhere and, and I didn't see it coming to myself to try to stop it. But she got hit in the shoulder with the puck. She was fine, uh, and we're not exactly you know like civil litigation happy type of people, so we didn't even consider it. But I never thought that. Uh, you know, there might have been something on the, on the back of our ticket that prevented, if, if we tried to, prevent us from taking action. That's interesting. Um, something else that's interesting and, and is back in the news is, uh, is NFL wide receiver, well, former NFL wide receiver for now, Antonio Brown, and, you know, uh, he's a player that's been mentioned in the same breath as the Buccaneers, ties to Bruce Arians. Um, he was in the news again for pleading no contest, uh, in, in his case from January, involving a moving truck driver. And now, uh, from what I read, if, if it's accurate, he's looking at two years of probation among some other punishments now there's been plenty of talk about Antonio uh, per- potentially returning to the NFL, even you know to the Buccaneers. But Bruce Arians kind of squashed that. But still, just kind of with everything that's happening, and and now this whole thing going down and him pleading no contest. Do you do you see the NFL or an NFL team giving him an opportunity? And if they do, what would that team kind of need to do to protect themselves? And if you were advising AB, what would you tell him?
1: I mean, it's it's kind of twofold. So I guess the the reports with Brown that it's important for kind of everyone to know. Brown is still, uh, he has a case against him that's still pending in the state of Florida. So, you know, every when the kind of, uh, we'll say the floodgates hit everyone, different people were coming forward with different allegations against Brown. Um, as of, we'll say this past week, there was two. There was the civil sexual assault case, um, which we heard about his trainer. Uh, that w- could have escalated to criminal charges. And as I kind of went into these different standards, if a criminal prosecutor in any given uh, jurisdiction wants to pursue charges against you, th- that's a good sign that these, the case has some weight to it, if the prosecutors are going to get behind it. Prosecutors not going to just take on any case and, you know, will ruin their hypothetical win-loss record and, and look stupid in the media. So um, for this first, first civil case, the fact that, that the sexual assault case, the fact that no prosecutor wanted to touch that and, and, ele- and elevate that to criminal charges. Um, you can fairly read into the strength maybe of that case that it only is now a civil case. Now, separately, while, um, you know, Antonio Brown, I'm just going to say, while he was kind of spiraling out of control with different social media posts and um, you know, firing his agent, firing his attorney, doing different stuff. Uh, he had moved cross country from California all the way to uh, Florida and he was having a you know, moving truck, bring his stuff back. So that was a very different case. This moving truck driver, I guess they were having a dispute over, you know, over funds, uh, over how much the guy should be paid. So Antonio Brown, instead of, you know, just, I guess, paying the guy or calling the supervisor, uh, essentially tried to break into the truck, was throwing rocks at the truck. uh, And the guy called 911 at the scene. And, you know, throwing rocks is obviously some type of a criminal event. But when you're throwing rocks to try to burglarize someone and steal your stuff uh, from someone else's truck, that's obviously not going to look good. So in terms of the overall landscape, um, I I have said, and, you know, a, a criminal charge, the fact that he got hit with what were a felony criminal charge, um, no team was going to touch that. They're just I just didn't see it. I mean, it's the fact that a criminal prosecutor picked it up. It's a really bad sign. So now um, you know what we're dealing with today uh, is that the only case left is a civil case, which again isn't. It's not. It's not like it's. a You know, it's the piece. Um, we'll say the least severe charge is It's a sexual assault charge, which is serious, but it's not a criminal charge. Um, and the reason, guys, I, I bring that up, uh, week one of this past year. Antonio Brown played and caught a touchdown from Tom Brady uh, with this same civil case pending um, absent any type of suspension, absent being put on any type of commissioner's exempt list. Um, do I anticipate some type of suspension coming for a team that takes a shot at him? Sure. Uh, I, I could see that because obviously this felony battery charge didn't just, um, you know, it's not going to go unpunished. Someone with uh, a prosecutor picked up the felony charges. But um, that being said, He did play a game and caught a touchdown from Brady with the civil case pending. So I think, uh, you know, just going back to our Jameis Winston conversations uh, that was a three game suspension there. Uh, You know, at this point, this is a sexual assault charge. Uh, So I don't think, you know, I've I've seen some people in mind say that Brown's going to get suspended for the season. Uh, I don't see that. Um, You know, if a guy like Albert Hainsworth is going to get six games for stepping on someone's head uh, you know, you can imagine where, where Brown kind of falls in that line. So um, I, I, you know, it's too early to tell if Brown's gonna drum up some interest. Um, but you know, you can imagine with the guy with that type of talent level uh and having a history with Brady, uh, you know, I understand understanding what Bruce Arians is saying, but there's a reason that uh, you know, I think the Bucks are the, the favorite in the clubhouse to end up with Antonio Brown.
0: The locked on podcast network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts On his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. it's Monday here on the Locked on Bucks podcast. We are joined by attorney and sports law analyst Dan Lust. Going back to, to the receiver room for the Buccaneers, Chris Godwin is in the last year of his rookie deal and Buccaneers fans and a lot of us in, in the media really think the team needs to go ahead and ink him to that long term deal and these things tend to get to a point where fans and, and those of us on the outside looking in think it's an extremely drawn out and, and unnecessary process. Is it as simple as what the team values the player at versus what the player values himself as? Or is there, you know, a more complicated matters involved in these negotiations?
1: Well, you know, I hate to be the kind of bearer of bad news in this, but there is kind of a looming issue with this whole kind of COVID situation that I think has kind of been gone under the radar. Um, you know, and we'll see what, what happens with the NFL. I mean, I guess as a kind of an initial note, um, baseball and basketball are dealing with this right now. And they're, you know, looking at a season where they're going to have no fans. Uh, baseball and basketball have both independently reported that uh, based on, you know, their calculations, fans roughly you know, going to games, buying tickets, make up 40% of revenue for teams. So you can imagine if you lose 40% of revenue that the salary cap is going to be affected in some way, shape, or form. Um, And Adam Schefter, a report a couple weeks back, confirmed this, that NFL is considering lowering the cap to the extent that they have a season without fans as well. So when it comes to a guy like Chris Godwin, uh, the normal factors that would be a play, right? If the guy wants to stay here versus, you know, if he wants to test the open market, I think, you know, this is just my opinion um, in a world where testing the open market has now become exponentially riskier, right? If the salary cap goes down, I think, you know, just kind of reading the, the landscape, it would make more sense for guys to want to stay close to home uh, and probably sign shorter deals instead of getting locked in and, into a world where uh, they don't know what the salary cap is going to look like. Um, I think you could see that with a guy like uh, Patrick Mahomes or Dak Prescott on these, you know, these star quarterbacks looking at long-term deals. Right. Maybe they want to sign and lock in a longer term deal now before they see what the world will look like uh, in a uh, salary cap decreased year. So uh, and I'm not saying anything that's not out in the public. I think the NHL is looking at also reducing their salary cap as well. But you can imagine that uh, years of, of planning be it for Chris Godwin, uh, you know, or a guy like Mike Evans, those were, you know, situations that were uh, made after years of planning and looking at the salary cap. But now with this COVID situation, with losing a, a massive chunk of revenue, uh, that's going to change teams operating procedures. So uh, I would think now if you're Chris Godwin's representatives, you're, you're looking to try to perhaps lock in a long term deal now where the salary cap can still stay at a, at a reasonably high level. Because we've, we've never really seen a world in sports where the salary cap could drop. But that's really what's being reported uh, across the board. And, and again, in football, that's you know, at the highest levels of Adam Schefter saying he's been talking to league officials about that.
2: Uh, that's really interesting, and yeah, that's not something I've, I've heard of or been thinking of, but that's definitely something we'll have to keep an eye on. And then, Dan, last question uh, for me today. Uh, a player that the Bucks once had a lot of hope in was linebacker Kendall Beckwith, uh, but during the offseason between his rookie and sophomore years, uh, was in a car accident. His friend, uh, if I remember correctly, was driving his vehicle. No legal actions that I'm aware of came of the accident, uh, especially not with Kendall himself, but of course he's missed all this time and you know his, his career may be over, but he, he did also have a rookie contract so I'm kind of curious just from not having that legal or that contractual uh, experience, how do those matters play out? Is Kendall still you know, entitled to some of the financial promises that were in his rookie contract or is there a clause? And because he wasn't able to play due to injury, even though it wasn't or base, basically specifically because it didn't happen on the field uh, where the team can reclaim some of that money or refuse to pay that money?
1: So it it depends really what's going to be in the contract. So if it's just a a standard car accident, that's one thing, but you can imagine a scenario, right? Like we're seeing kind of play out, uh, really in front of our eyes is this Henry Rugg situation with the Raiders. Um, unknown really how he hurt his leg. I know there's some reports that he hurt it in a move. Um, and then you could even go cross sports, right? Like a guy like Madison Baumgartner who heard, you know, allegedly hurt himself on a dirt bike. So Th- those are the types of, um, we'll say, uh, activities outside of uh, impermissible activities in your contract that could result in a, you know, contract being voided. Um, you know, a guy like Ed Oliver on the Buffalo Bills, he's got a, a DWI situation pending. Uh, to the extent that he gets hit with the suspension uh, under the NFL CBA, that could result in a uh, voiding of his guarantees. But to the extent that um, someone was riding a car, there wasn't, you know, uh, wasn't anything. Uh, illegal or impermissible going on or anything that results in any type of suspensions um, that wouldn't seem like a scenario where you would necessarily forfeit uh, your money. But uh, if you're unable to be on the field for a certain amount of time, you can imagine there's terms uh, in someone's contract that says you have to play X amount of games uh, in order to, for certain, um, you know, certain dollar amounts to vest. So um, I could see it having an impact, uh, you know, without having, uh, having a chance to review his contract, I don't know how specifically it would impact him, but you could imagine that there are, certain activities be it uh, you know illegal activities or just something uh something as easy as you know i'm sure people listening to this have watched the last dance michael jordan playing pickup basketball on a broken ankle unbeknownst to the team right it's michael jordan at the end of the day so you don't think the bulls are going to void his contract but you know the the lower you get on the in terms of player spectrum uh the more something like that could happen but here just be it a, a normal car accident uh, i don't i don't think that that type of situation is in play
0: Yeah, I know uh, Jordan had the for the love of the game clause in his contract that he was allowed to play anywhere, anytime that he deemed fit. Uh, But one of the first things that, that I thought of when you started talking about those injuries in the contract was, of course, the injury that led to Alex Rodriguez becoming a New York Yankee. Aaron Boone was playing a pickup basketball game, blows his knee out. The Yankees were able to void his contract, and then they make the trade for Alex Rodriguez right before the 2004 season.
1: Uh, Aaron Bleep and Boone I remember that well uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a throwback to uh, some Red Sox series but uh yeah I mean it's it's just kind of important to watch and I mentioned I don't know how many people are following this rug situation but you know rugs is a is a guy in a rookie deal uh big wide receiver you know big time wide receiver the Raiders just reacted uh, and he hurts himself under very suspicious circumstances so uh, you know people tend to not always pay attention to the uh, you know and maybe for good reason maybe not for uh, the offseason activities that players are involved in. But you could imagine, like, you know, this guy, Ed Oliver, d- defensive tackle on the Bills, number nine overall pick. Uh, he's, you know, getting charged charge of the DWI, and had the um, a pistol in his car as well. Uh, that's, you know, a huge part of the Buffalo Bills building situation. And all of a sudden, you know, he might not be with the team for a certain amount of games. So I think um, kind of one one thing to note, uh, again, we were talking kind of about going over state lines. One of the kind of curious carve-outs in the CBA. Uh, is that if if you have a let's say I guess in the DWI context, you know normally it's a three game suspension for DWI, but then if they the, the CBA phrases as felonious conduct, uh, if there's any type of felonious conduct that comes with a DWI, uh, that can you know aggravate uh, the games and bring it up to maybe four five six or something more than that. So for someone like an Ed Oliver who's uh, you know lives in Houston uh, in the offseason that's where he grew up, him having a pistol in the car just knowing you know Texas gun laws they're going to be a lot more, look, look upon favorably to having a gun in the car. Whereas if that same exact activity had happened in New York, that's a lot closer to what what New York laws would view as a felony. So the fact that this happened to him in, in Texas and not New York, uh, you know, not in Buffalo, uh, you know, he's probably going to, I mean, I imagine he's going to avoid any type of aggravating circumstances. So kind of, you know, the same exact defense happened somewhere else. Maybe he's looking at a four, five, six game suspension. So Kind of in, important to note, uh, just, just one of these weird quirks of the NFL CBA, felonious conduct might not seem like much to some, but for the uh, lawyers that are looking at the CBA, that can mean, you know, uh, three games versus six games, which is a, a ton of money and obviously a ton of impact on the field.
0: All right. Well, Dan, we appreciate your time so much tonight. Uh, You know, a lot of great stuff there. Really, you know, like I said in the beginning, this is a a different side of sports that David and I usually don't have the opportunity to speak about. So it was great having you on. Please let everyone know where they can find the kinds of things that you're doing as, as they can get a little bit more informed on the business side of, of the NFL and, and sports.
1: So I'm at sports law lust on twitter and instagram uh and uh, i'm always i kind of hit all all aspects of sports, all aspects of law and I just want to give a quick shout out to uh Isaac O'Gell, who is uh, we'll say he's a locked on buck super fan uh, and he uh told me uh that you guys might be interested in hearing me talk, so I'm happy that he uh, he coordinated that for us
0: Oh absolutely, absolutely so Dan again, thank you so much really appreciate having you on
1: of course, thanks guys
0: a big thank you once again to Dan Lust you can find him at sports law lust on twitter some great information there that that normally David and I cannot bring you Having somebody that knows that side of sports, really fun to pick his brain for a little bit. So again, a big thank you to him. And that is going to do it for us on this episode. David and I will be back on Wednesday. Remember, we're down to three episodes a week here for about the next month or so. But David and I will be back on Wednesday with a new episode for all of you. But until then, please... Check out everything going on over at bucksnation.com. Send us your voicemails to 813 444 5841. Follow along on Twitter at lockedonbucks, at jarco underscore bucks, at dharrison82, and at bucks underscore nation. Hope you all have an absolutely fantastic start to your week. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, and be good to one
1: another. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.